KUAF is giving away VIP tickets to the 2023 Rocklahoma Music Festival held September 1st through the 3rd, 2023 in Pryor, Oklahoma. Bands include Buck Cherry, P.O.D., Skid Row, and more. Winners will be announced on Friday, August 25th during Ozarks at Large. KUAF.com for complete lineup and registration. This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, July 21st, 2023. On your public radio station, 91.3 KUAF. I'm Kyle Kellums. We're going to start this Friday edition off, as we often do, with Michael Tilley from Talk Business and Politics. Michael, how are you this Friday? Doing well. We'll have to hurry up. I've got some um, eggs cooking out on the sidewalk. So, <laughs> Well, <laughs> they're probably already fried in just the <laughs> brief amount of time we've been talking. Let's start. Black. <laughs> Let's start with the Arkansas River. Um, we keep track of the tonnage that comes up the river, or I suppose goes down the river. Kind of an indicator of economic activity, or at least some economic activity. What do these indicators tell us with the latest report? Well, it tells us that the economy is is doing well, and and you're right. I see this, and I think a lot of economists see it as kind of a fundamental layer of the economy. And they also give you, and they can give you an idea of where the economy is going. But uh, yeah, in the first six months of this year, the U.S. Corps of Engineers reports um, just a little under 6.3 million tons were shipped along the river. That's up 19 percent. Um, that's pretty healthy. Um, some other good numbers is the inbound traffic, which is product coming into the river. That was up 38 percent. Outbound shipments. Um, this is all for the first six months. We're up 11 percent, and internal shipments from port to port on the river, we're up 8 percent. That's a pr- it's pretty broad gains, um, pretty healthy gains. June uh, that six month period wrapped up with June being up 7.8 percent, so it's pretty good. Was able to talk to Marty Shell. He's president of Van Buren Base Five Rivers. He runs the port there in Van Buren and also the port of Fort Smith. Uh, he said they had a Great second quarter said third quarter is looking uh, good as well. They're, they expect a lot of grain movements will start and they'll start seeing a lot of fertilizer and feed coming in. Um, and he's kind of looking at a seven to twelve percent growth for his operations for the year. Um, also talked to Jody Pryor um, or got a statement from Jody Pryor, general manager of logistics services at the Port of Little Rock. Um, They've talked about also having a pretty healthy year. They think there'll be a little bit of slowdown. There's some work on the Illinois River, which slow slow a few, slow a little bit of traffic down. Um, and they're seeing a lot of the the basic commodities, for example, the building manufacturing, aluminum coils, box out that kind of thing. So um, it's you know it, it's a good healthy indicator for the economy is and and where it's going. So some of that talk of recession it seems like it keeps being pushed forward well it'll be the you know it'll be next year well it'll be next year so if if you were asking me to say there's going to be a recession i couldn't do it looking at these numbers speaking of water there was unfortunately more than desired amount of water in the fort smith peak center once again what do we know about this latest episode of flooding well we don't know a lot unfortunately we know that it flooded again, um, and about the only reason we know is that someone sent us pictures of the flooding. Um, and I'm going to try to be careful with what I say here. We asked 
um, this was on last Friday, July 14th. So the rain, a lot of the rain had come through and it flooded again. This is the fourth, at least the fourth time that we know of, I believe, um, that it's flooded. Um, we asked the school board or the school administration, I should say, for some comment, which they provide us in the past. They said, yes, it's flooded. Here's the extent. Here's what we're doing to fix it. Well, this time we got nothing for three days. They ignored us. They didn't even say no comment or we're working on it. They just ignored our request for information. Um, we went ahead and put a story up because we had some people send us some pictures and we had, you know, we had confirmation. I guess the school district thought if they didn't talk to us, we wouldn't run a story. And then we got a message from the school district a few days later saying that they will only answer Freedom of Information Act requests. They won't answer any other questions. So Tina Dale, who's the reporter with us here and covers law enforcement school system, um, we've been in this business for decades now. You combine our experience, and we've never encountered a public uh, organization, a public body that is so – Anti-transparency, I guess, is the way to say it. I used to think the city of Fort Smith was the king of anti-transparency, but um, <laughs> they, the school district makes Fort Smith look like an open book. So it's unfortunate. It's a great facility. The Peak facility is a great facility. I just wish – and it's a public facility. It was built with taxpayer dollars, and uh, it's just too bad that Fort Smith public school system uh, doesn't think the public uh, – doesn't think it's any of the public's business. So, FOI requests filed? Well, not yet. I'm just I'm, I'm trying to find a diplomatic, graceful way to encourage them to not be so difficult about it. But if they're going to be difficult about it. All right, well, we can work around it. It's just a very, just a very poor image for the school district. Finally, I love talking about something with a cool name, and this isn't the official name, of course, but it's the. Name, as of now, Project X in Fort Smith. Everyone's kind of got an idea of what it is. Why don't you tell us what we do know? Well, what we do know is, um, first of all, I should say it's a, it's property owned right off I-540, I and you can see it. It's the old Best Buy building that was on 540 in the Rogers, near the Rogers, inter, uh, Rogers Avenue interchange. Benny Westfall owns that, and he's also a co-owner of Talk Business and Politics, so I want to get that right out there. Um, the Project X um, is going to be kind of a large retail, about 50,000 square feet of retail and warehouse space. Um, it's been There's all kinds of rumors as to what it is. Some think it's going to be kind of like a, a form of a Bass Pro Shop. I don't – Bass Pro Shops are much larger than 50,000 square feet. But um, some have likened it maybe kind of like a some retail, like a Trader Joe's or a Costco. I, I don't know. But um, – According to the what the Project X company has provided, um, they will have they estimate annual sales for the business around twenty eight million. Hire just under a hundred folks with an average salary of fifty three thousand dollars a year. That's those are pretty good numbers. The, what the city of Fort Smith has agreed to do is allow Arkansas's constitution, and I may talk briefly about this in a second makes it difficult to provide incentives for service sector type jobs that bring in good dollars, bring in uh, good jobs. But what this, what it does allow to do, the city can spend money on infrastructure, train, job training, warehouse. There are certain things that they can provide. So the city's going to 
uh, provide up to four hundred thousand dollars a year for twelve years mm-hmm. um, that can be used for the project. Uh, any money that's not used in a year can't be rolled over. But um, you know, let's just take the twenty-eight million. Um, if if that is true, let's let's say that's too high and it's just twenty million. Okay, that's still four hundred between three hundred fifty four hundred fifty thousand dollars in sales tax a year that the city would generate. So, um, but if it is, but if it is 28 million, that's, you know, closer to 600,000. So, um, I don't know. It seems like a good investment. What I would say is Arkansas's economic development policy overall was built in the created in the fifties and sixties when we were trying to recruit industry. So it's easier to provide in Arkansas to provide incentives for a company poultry processing or whatever that's going to bring in low low wages have probably a negative impact on the economy we will we'll provide incentives for that but we won't provide incentives for tourism or specialty retail type jobs that that are clean bring in people drop their clean dollars their jobs connected to it um so i've, I've this has kind of created some bigger conversations in fort smith about where maybe Arkansas's economic development policy should where it needs to go, or what kind of the realities it should try to respond to. Is there any sort of timeline if this continues to move forward and and this project X comes here that we would find out what it's going to be? Oh, I I think oh well, yeah before um, I think before the city would even give anybody they're not just going to write right. a check to Project X. So <laughs> yeah. They're, there's going to be a point where, because it's going to have to go through planning, it's going to have to go through all the, the usual steps that are that are required to to get a facility like this open. So we'll know. I I'll be surprised if we don't know here in the next month or so who it is. And 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 while we're talking about this, what get me up to date on this possible um, thing with the Acme Brick Company, the Brickyard? What could happen yeah. there? Well, there's a lot of what ifs, but. Um, the old Acme Brick um, facility—it's—it's it's been closed, but there's a lot of interesting property. I don't know how clean it is or what kind of remediation it would require, but there are folks talking about making it a park, a bike trail, multi-purpose trail park. And it's near another park, some ball fields, and it's kind of right in the middle of the city. Um, this would be a hell of a nice park, a great facility, and it's—it's it's tucked. The way the geography is, Kyle, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's kind of tucked right in the middle of the city. You almost wouldn't see it, um, but hopefully – and the city has moved um, to kind of set this up so they could receive a donation, maybe pull it into the park system. I don't know where they get the money to develop it. There's been talk about private donations stepping up, but um, this has the potential. We're obviously going to keep following it to be um, a very cool amenity for the city of Fort Smith. All right. You can follow that and everything else we've talked about and more at talkbusiness.net. Michael Tilley, as always, thank you for your time. We'll talk again next week. Uh, You're welcome, sir. In the background is Horace Silver playing his composition, The Outlaw. And I'm Robert Ginsburg, your host for Shades of Jazz. 
On this edition of the show, we will hear more from Horace Silver, as well as an interview with Stan Kessler, leader of the group Horoscope, who will be performing in Northwest Arkansas. We'll also hear Jackie McLean, Thelonious Monk, Youssef Latif, and much more. Join me this Friday and Saturday. Shades of Jazz tonight at 10 on 91.3 KUAF. Tomorrow morning at 11 on KUAF 3. You can listen to KUAF 3 at KUAF.com on your digital radio or by asking your smart speaker to play KUAF 3. Ahead this hour, Jamie Harris talks with us about music, dreams, and the people in the songs on her latest album, Boomerang Town. To me, it's like the lineage of a lot, like a lot of things. And I think it's a it's a couple that has the hopes of breaking a cycle that seems to have been repeated in their families with addiction and um, abuse. And I think that, um, you know, my I come from a family like that. And my parents had me on accident. I was kind of the reason for the season why they got married. Um, and they are very much in love and have a business in my hometown and love it. Um, and my dad came from a pretty complicated, trauma-filled background, but was able to break that cycle. She's playing tomorrow night at the Folk School of Fayetteville and talking with us in about 15 minutes. For a year now, the KUAF Lunch Hour has been bringing you the best in local music and local food once a month here at the KUAF studios. Now we're taking it on the road. KUAF is partnering with local McDonald's owner-operators to bring you the KUAF Lunch Hour Summer Concert Series. It begins in late July and will include three tiny desk-style concerts that will take place at different McDonald's locations across northwest Arkansas, the River Valley, and the Green Country. These three concerts will lead up to a mini-festival called Lunch All Day in September. Performances are set to include Steph Simon of Fire in Little Africa, country singer Joe West, and artist-designer Tylo May. Get ready for a summer of fun, music, and great food. The KUAF Lunch Hour Summer Concert Series, sponsored by McDonald's, begins July 28th. Keep listening to KUAF, your public radio station, for more details. This is Ozarks at Large. The Northwest Arkansas Regional Planning Commission will use $180,000 to study and improve as many as 60 bus stops throughout the region. The funds were announced yesterday by the U.S. Department of Transportation and are granted via the Areas of Persistent Poverty Grant Program. The study will provide engineering, design, and improvement activities for Ozark Regional Transit and Razorback Transit. The improvements can include ramps, sidewalks, benches, shelters, and lighting and they are specifically awarded for studies to improve transit in census-defined low-income areas. The state of Oklahoma has carried out its second execution this year. 51-year-old Jermaine Cannon was put to death yesterday by lethal injection. He was convicted in the stabbing death of Sharonda Clark in Tulsa in 1995. It's the ninth execution in Oklahoma since the state returned to lethal injections three years ago. A fledgling political party is now qualified to place a presidential candidate on the Arkansas ballot in 2024. The No Labels Party has been notified by the Arkansas Secretary of State's office that it provided enough signatures to be part of the 2024 ballot. The party has not yet confirmed it will field a candidate, though party literature indicates it would do so if the major party candidates are President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. Talk Business and Politics reports its tourism ticker shows the state's 2% tourism tax revenue between January and April was up more than $7.5 million. 
an increase of more than 10 percent. The report shows that revenue in each month so far this year has set a new record. The Animal League of Washington County is partnering with the Botanical Garden of the Ozarks to install a telephone of the wind in its sensory garden. Animal League President Amy White says the telephone, which is not wired, is a discreet outlet for those who have a message they wish to share with family and friends who've died. The telephone to the wind is something that originated in Japan, in northeast Japan in 2011 after a tsunami there. A gentleman was missing his loved ones that that were killed suddenly and without notice, and so he went to the top of a hill in his garden and installed a telephone booth with a simple phone, a simple rotary phone that was attached just to the wind. So um, he encouraged people to come and, and visit it so that they could call their missing loved ones. Telephones to the wind have since been installed in forest preserves, garden sites, on farm posts, and in kiosks across the United States. Uh, so we, we heard about this, and um, our board member, Brock Gossett, who passed away suddenly of COVID um, in 2021, his widower's mother is Japanese. And so we thought, what a cool way. And he was a lover of plants and animals. So we thought, let's partner with the botanical gardens to see if they would like and I, this idea of go even go for it. We weren't sure. So we approached them and they were all for it and thought that it would be just a wonderful thing for our community, for people who could come to the sensory garden where there's lots of tactile plants. Uh, they thought that the placing the phone there would be the perfect combination. So that's what we were able to do. The telephone to the wind was formally dedicated at a reception last night. It sits on a pedestal in the botanical garden with signage guiding visitors who wish to speak to lost loved ones. And the Northwest Arkansas Naturals four-game winning streak is over. The Nats dropped an 8-2 decision to Tulsa last night. The teams meet again tonight at our best ballpark in Springdale. First pitch set for 7.05. This is Ozarks at Large. Hello, Becca Martin-Brown, arts and entertainment editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. How are you? Hello, Kyle Kellams. I am fabulous. Just got back, if y'all missed me, from a long weekend in Austin, Texas with the grandbabies. Three months old, one year old, and six years old. And the one year old did the smash cake thing, and it was great. And I know that there are other things happening in Northwest Arkansas and the River Valley. You know, Leonard Skinner and ZZ Top are coming to the Amp, yeah. and there's a big music festival called Peacemaker happening next weekend in Fort Smith. Yeah. But this weekend and next may be the biggest harvest of theater I have ever seen here. Really? Because yeah. you have in the past talked about what a big theater weekend. Yeah. And this is with Walton Arts Center not hosting yeah. anything. Yeah, this is pretty much epic. I am so, buckled in. this weekend... At Arkansas Public Theater at the Victory is one of the sweetest shows I think they've ever had on their stage. It's called It Should Have Been You, mm -hmm. and it's a musical about a wedding Okay, where the families are trying to get along. There's a best man and a maid of honor that are very close to the couple getting married. There's a sister and an ex-boyfriend. 
it's just cute. It's just super cute. And it's this weekend and next only. And then APT goes dark for about six months. I am excited about what that theater is going to look like at Me the end too, of the but I'm going to be really lost <laughs> Without <laughs> for a them. little while. No, that's okay. Showtimes where it should have been you are 8 o'clock today and tomorrow, 2 o'clock Sunday, again the 27th through the 30th, and tickets start at $25. Also, on the same schedule, Arts One Presents, which was born out of the Arts Center of the Ozarks, mm-hmm. is doing Sweeney Todd. Not a sweet musical. No. <laughs> I love the actor playing the lead. His name is Kenny Timbrell, and he was Princeton in the APT production of Avenue Q. Okay. In case you're unfamiliar, and Sweeney Todd, Bad Barber. Bad Barber, Bad Barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And they've said it. Coleman Ray Clark, who's a Fayetteville native who's back from New York to right. direct it, has said it in a London that's closer to home for us. Closer to home? It is not set in London, England. Oh, okay. The set includes an escalator and a food court. In a mall? Yeah. Okay. And let me tell you that the little piece I saw of rehearsal, Sweeney Todd is creepy. Better be. That's the way I want my Sweeney Todd. Well, it's going to be tasty for that. Okay. 7 o'clock, starting this weekend, continuing with the matinee Sunday, and again, July 27th through 30th at the Pat Ellison Performing Arts Center at the Don Tyson School of Innovation in Springdale. Nice auditorium. Yes. Tickets start at $20 at Arts One Presents. And then coming up next weekend, Fort Smith Little Theater is doing Cinderella with the epic ball gown, Mm. some total 400 yards of fabric for the costuming for the show. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be everything Cinderella is supposed to be. Excellent. And that opens on the 27th of July and runs through August 12th. The Northwest Arkansas Audio Theater that does the radio plays is doing an original collection of stories called Legends from the Fairy Tale Academy that also involves Cinderella and the Big Bad Wolf and a home improvement show (laughs) that involves the little old lady who lived in a shoe. I like that. 7 p.m. July 27th at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Springdale. 7 p.m. the 28th at First Presbyterian Church in Springdale. 2 p.m. the 29th at Fayetteville Public Library. And 2 p.m. the 30th at The Medium in Springdale. And you can find out more by looking for Northwest Arkansas Audio Theater on Facebook. And then The Crude Mechanicals which is a theater company that was formed here in 2014 by some University of Arkansas kids led by Zach Stoltz, who is now artistic director at Woodstock Arts in Atlanta. Yes, he is. They're home to do their first show after the pandemic, and they're doing The Taming of the Shrew. Mary Hickox is the director. She says that The Taming of the Shrew has a lot to say about women's rights. Sure does. And how... Not much has changed in 400 years. So you're going to get a version that has modern costumes and non-realistic scenery. And it'll be good because they always are. That's at at the Medium as well, right? That's at the Medium as well. 7 o'clock, the 28th and the 29th at Medium. And it's pay what you can. Hmm. And you can find the Crude Mechanicals on Facebook or read the story Sunday in What's Up. You know, I once covered a Crude Mechanicals production that was done at the gazebo in Gully Park in Mm -hmm. Fayetteville. I'm happy for them to be doing this one inside. That's what they said. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they said. We moved inside. Yes. And then 
the Community School of the Arts in Fort Smith, actually Van Buren, is doing Godspell. Wow. Now, here's the thing on this one. Cody Walls is directing it, who's amazing. He has 27 actors and singers who range in age from 13 to 18. Mm -hmm. And they've put the show together in two weeks. Sounds like some sort of movie that would give me high anxiety. They sign up for a class, then the show's cast, and then they spend eight hours a day, six days a week working on the show. Performances 7 o'clock the 28th and 2 and 7 the 29th at King Opera House in Van Buren. One time only. Wow. Theater everywhere. Everywhere. It's a good weekend. We're so lucky to be us. And you can read more about it all in What's Up on Sunday. Becca Martin-Brown, Arts and Entertainment Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. To me, a leader is someone who influences others. That can be in any capacity. And I never associate leadership with title. To me, a leader is someone who coaches, guides, inspires, listens to, and empowers others to work toward a shared or individual goal. What a leader is to me is a learner. I think a leader should always be in a state of trying to learn more. A leader can be a CEO of a company, a student in an MBA program, or a stay-at-home mom. Anyone can be a leader. But I've decided to focus on Latinas in leadership in Northwest Arkansas for this podcast. Throughout this five-part series, you'll hear personal stories from Latinas impacting and leading their community. As Latinas, we may all come from the same community, but our stories and the way to leadership are vastly different. My name is Wendy Echeverria, and this is Inspirando el Futuro, stories about Latina leaders in Northwest Arkansas, coming out on KUAF or where you listen to podcasts. This is Ozarks at Large. If music is important to you, there's a pretty good chance you can name an album or several that was very critical for coping or celebrating or maybe just surviving. Jamie Harris' latest album, Boomerang Town, is no doubt that album for some listeners. Songs about living in a small town, about coping with loss, flirting with dreams, and all sorts of matters in between are included in the 10 songs on Boomerang Town. Jamie Harris will be back in Fayetteville Saturday to perform at the Folk School of Fayetteville 7 that evening. Saturday afternoon, she'll lead a workshop, How to Be an Opening Act, and Nail It. And she is with me now on Zoom from, it looks like, a studio in Nashville. Jamie Harris, welcome to Ozarks at Large. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm just looking at what's behind you. It looks like you've got a collection of albums behind you. I do, yeah. And it's I've been really excited. I moved to Nashville like five years ago. And I think three years ago, my record player, I don't think it fully broke, but there was some sort of cartridge issue and... Man, I, I tried for many, many years because I had a sentimental connection to that particular record player, but it wasn't able to get fixed. And so I got a new one from my partner, Mary Gaucher, gave me one for my birthday. And so I have been rocking the vinyl again, and I love it. It's such a great way to experience music and to get into stuff that I wouldn't necessarily listen to in the car. I want to ask you about the, the, the title song to Boomerang Town. A lot of us, I think, grew up in what we think of as boomerang towns before i ask you more about the song how what do you think of from that term that you coined boomerang town well i mean what i think of is the idea of a town that a lot of folks try to leave but end up coming back to or returning to quickly such a poignant song it's about uh you know a couple that find themselves with a, a challenge you know uh, an unexpected 
pregnancy. I was working at the supermarket When I fell for Julie knocked to her Like everybody said I I turned 16, I got that job I couldn't wait to buy a car Save enough Leave this town To me, it's like the lineage of a lot, like a lot of things. And I think it's a, it's a couple that has the hopes of breaking a cycle that seems to have been repeated in their families with addiction and um, abuse. And I think that, um, you know, my, I come from a family like that and my parents had me on accident. I was kind of the reason for the season why they got married. Um, and they are very much in love and have a business in my hometown and love it. Um, and my dad came from a pretty complicated trauma filled background, but was able to break that cycle. Um, and he got sober. I'm sober. Two of my, um, siblings are sober. So I think there's something that, that did allow them to break that cycle, but it could have gone very differently from that for them. And so boomerang town, the song is kind of a a gumbo of what could have happened with my family, part of the true story of my family and other people I knew that did return to Waco or people that were unable to get out of the small town I grew up outside of Waco. I think you, in, in, in almost all the songs on Boomerang Town, you explore dreams and not just the power of them, but sometimes, I don't know, the fear of them because you can be in a Boomerang Town or in a situation and it can be scary to to dream because what if it doesn't happen? Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I it's so funny. I just got to sit um, and witness this incredible panel that the local NPR station in Nashville hosted. And Valerie June was on the panel. I don't know how familiar you are with her music and her, but she came from a small town in Tennessee and she talks about dreams in the most beautiful articulate way I've ever heard anyone talk about, and she she said, you know, I come from a whole line of people that were told not to dream. Mm-hmm. It was unsafe to dream, but we had to dream of a, of a different possibility. And so I think there are dreamers who dream despite the difficult surroundings. You know, there's there are people that dream to escape, and sometimes that's all you can do. That's the best you do in your situation is just to escape. And uh, yeah, there's a there's a fear not to dream because what if it doesn't come true? Um, but in, in those instances, when I've been unable to imagine a different situation for myself, I personally have leaned on music. I've leaned into the dreams that other people have expressed through their music. And that brings me hope because I've always heard, you know, even if a song seems, quote, sad, sad, hopeless people don't sing. One of the um, 
choruses I love on Boomerang, Ta- uh, Boomerang Town is from the song On the Surface. And the chorus is, are you free or are you hiding from the things you don't agree with or believe in? Skim the text, find the lines that feed your purpose. It's so easy to love your brother on the surface. I love that chorus. Do you remember what sort of might have inspired that? Of all of the songs, this one has the most clear, I remember, inception of it. So I was I got to be a part of this incredible songwriting workshop in outside of Taos, New Mexico. And it was co-hosted by Eliza Gilkison, Gretchen Peters, and Mary Gaucher. And that's where I ended up meeting my partner, Mary. And I had done this kind of crazy road trip where I started in Terlingua, which is this town on the West Texas border where you can hike the Santa Lenny Canyon and you're looking over the Rio Grande, looking over into Mexico. And then I spent a day in Woody Guthrie's hometown of Okima, Oklahoma. And then I drove to Taos for this workshop. And on the second day, Mary read the Emma Lazarus poem that is written on the Statue of Liberty. And she said, just go write something inspired by that poem. And I think something about the who is invited, who is allowed, who is not allowed combined with that a little bit of Woody Guthrie in the middle and how how would he tell that story and also drove through my hometown on that trip. And so there's a lot to it, but I came back in about 90 minutes with that song in its complete form. The only reason I am here is cause to us solemnly made it clear he'd like for me to sit here at your table for other guests you poured the wine got to me and your sweet time when you finally found me fit and able if he were here he'd pour my drink set it down before he'd even think to take a sip to cure his own thirst to sit here with your smiles fake or stand outside with swallowed hate well i have not decided which is worse are you also write about relationships, both platonic and romantic, exploring them. Is is there anything different if you are the author, if you are the songwriter, if you're thinking about a platonic relationship versus a romantic one? Well, I once heard Bill Withers say that um, th- there's a great documentary, I think it's called Still Bill, about Bill Withers. And he's talking about how the record label didn't want to include Lean On Me on the record because they said he needed a love song and he said this is a love song this is a love song about friendship 
I love that. Uh, Isn't that incredible? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and can you imagine being the executive who at some point said, I don't think Lean on Me should be on the record? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I read uh, in, in a bio of yours, because I'm sure you get compared to Bruce Springsteen a lot in a very complimentary way. And you're talking about Boomerang Town. You say it's a portrait of rural desperation and the restless search for salvation against long odds. And you say this is what it's like to be part of the post-born-to-run generation. I am of the born-to-run generation. That was one of those records I mentioned in the beginning that, for me, provided a bridge to getting out of a very small town. What is the post-born-to-run generation that maybe is different from those of us who listened to that album in the late 70s and early 80s? Yeah, well, I think, you know, in the case of Born to Run, there was somewhere to run to. Over the last, even the last week, like I was in Fort Smith, Arkansas, was woken up at like 3.45 in the morning by the hotel completely shaking, crazy tornadic events. There was like uh, straight line winds here yesterday. I think climate change is, is one thing that is totally threatens the possibility of certainly even the generation younger than me of how far are we going to go with this thing? How long can we ride this out? I think the economic opportunities are wildly different. Um, I think, you know, the wealth is definitely uh, accumulated in a particular uh, at a particular level of society. And um, and I also think, you know, just we have access to so many more things with the Internet and, you know, there, there are ways we can organize and and get together. And that's really amazing. But I don't know how far that can take us ultimately with climate change, with, you know, what's happening with the uh, the crisis of addiction. In this country, there's a, a lot of folks getting help as well, but that's a dire situation as well. And uh, yeah, I just I don't think that there's many opportunities for someone somewhere to run for kids to run as there there was in the in the Springsteen right. generation. As I've clearly indicated, I love this album, and I think it's one thing for someone to hear the record, right? But it's also something else. I'm sure for the artist as well as the listener, to be in the same room and hear these songs. What can that mean for you? Oh, well, it's different with every song and with every record. Now that I've made two, I'm learning a little bit more about that. So for me, my experience with my first record, Red Rescue, was that the songs were kind of the work. Like the songs themselves helped me release a lot that was inside of me. And with Boomerang Town, what I've realized is that the songs are more like little lighthouses pointing to other work that I need to do in my life. Deep in my recovery work, uh, I need to go back and find out some unresolved things that happened with me. And you know, when I left, when I quote left the church, it was a very slow process. It wasn't a severing. And so I didn't realize until later in life when people I knew were speaking so ill of a certain group of people of faith that I, I had to wrestle with that identity and go, is that still a part of my identity? Is that what I believe? What do I believe? And uh, I've just learned that I've got some hurt there that I, that I need to work on. And so um, when I hear some of the songs from Boomerang Town back, I go, yep, all right, there's more work to do here, Harris. <laughs> you know, you needed to write this record to, to figure that out. Well, hopefully we never get to a point, any of us, where we think there's not more work to be done some way. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the show is at the um, at seven o'clock at the Folk School of Fayetteville. You're also going to be doing the workshop, how to be an opening act and nail it. I think that's a wonderful topic. I'm not a musician. I think there are a lot of musicians who'll be interested in that. I don't want to give anything away. But that's an important conversation, I think, for a lot of musicians to have. Totally. And I think even if you're not a musician, um, I think that there's something to be learned for just how to more effectively communicate in an environment where you're given a position to do so. And I am excited about teaching this class because it's something that I learned in real time in front of the biggest audiences that I've ever played in front of in my life. And I learned by just being so terrible at it. I just failed and failed and failed. And so I had to be like completely broken down, you know, go to my heroes with my, you know, hat in my hands and ask for some guidance. And so it's really fresh for me learning how to do this. And I love sharing the wisdom of it. One, so that other people don't have to suffer like I did. I mean, little things you wouldn't think about even. Um, like I just actually made this mistake this week at a festival. Like it's a really good idea when you're on stage to wear something that you've worn either on stage before or worn in your bedroom playing your instrument with all the stuff you're going to use. Like, for example, I forgot because I always wear pants normally or a dress with pockets that I need to put my capo and my picks in my pocket. And I wore a dress that I in, at this festival this weekend that didn't have pockets. And I went, uh oh, you know, so it's like I broke my own rule. You never know if like a belt is going to scratch up your guitar, just little things that you wouldn't think of that I have thought through. Um, so I'm hoping to offer people some little shortcuts so they don't have to go through the misery <laughs> of making the mistakes in real time. How to be an opening act and nail it. That's Saturday afternoon at 3. The performance at Folk School of Fayetteville is Saturday night at 7. The latest album is Boomerang Town. Jamie Harris, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me, and thank you for asking such uh, insightful questions about the record and for your kind words about it. It means a lot to me. And congratulations on that record. Thank you. If you have a business or organization within KUAF's listening area and want to support public radio while connecting our thousands of engaged listeners with your services, consider becoming a KUAF business member today. Starting at just $500, you'll be linked on our business members directory and mentioned during our spring and fall on-air fund drives. Sign up today at KUAF.com. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio with Ozarks at Large's Daniel Kruth, KUAF's General Manager Lee Wood, and a beautiful bowl of guacamole. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I always love having the two of you in here, but when you bring food, well, it's even better. The star of the guac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why were you in the Rick Stockdale conference room making guacamole? Because it's Friday. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we've been invited to participate in a um, guacamole competition. That's taking place at Crystal Bridges on Sunday um, from 11 to noon. It's their first annual guac off. And so we're practicing. Yeah. Well, let's. Um, Should we taste and, 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 and the rules, you've only got like 15 minutes yes. to do everything. Yes. Showdown. Which we right. failed that part of the practice. We session. didn't have the tools. Let's give ourselves some credit. You okay. know, we didn't have a cutting board. We didn't have like the proper knife. That will all be provided to gotcha. us. Yes. So. Probably, yeah. you know, sort of a boot camp version. Can and I taste it? Yes. Please. Okay. We've got uh, corn mm, tortilla chip yes. in there. I healthy dose. Mmm. Good. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lots of lime. Yeah, you're tasting a lot of lime. You're tasting two limes. <laughs> two full limes in there. And That's... the zest. Yeah. Mm. Oh, and the zest. Uh-huh. Yeah. Don't tell yeah. anybody. Yeah, we kind of have secret. Sh- yeah, okay. some things up our sleeve. Um, and it kicks off their family day, which is happening at Crystal Bridges. And it also kind of is at the end of the Diego Rivera exhibit, which will be ending really yeah. soon. If you haven't had a chance to see it. I haven't. So I'm well, going to see it Well, someday you will. Yeah. Same. That's when I'm going to okay. go see it. I'm excited. It's fantastic. Nice. Well, congratulations on that. And the winner gets the silver avocado. The silver avocado. Yes, I feel like... We're manifesting it. It's going to be ours. There's also an avocado mascot there, which I'm a little bit too excited <laughs> about <laughs> seeing. Well, uh, we'll get an update Monday then, right? Okay. How it goes. Yeah. All right. Okay. Best of luck. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> This is Ozarks at Large. It is Barbenheimer weekend for those who observe. And according to Courtney Lanning, it's worth observing Oppenheimer, the new three-hour epic about the man who, or a man, who helped invent the big bomb. Courtney Lanning is back on Ozarks at Large. Courtney, great to have you back. Kyle, it's amazing to be back. Thanks for having me. And I like it when you're back and you've got a movie that you really like, and I think that's the case here. You know what? Two check boxes, Kyle. You <laughs> nailed them both. I like being back. And, you know, you and I have, have talked about movies for a couple of years now. You know, I, I don't like talking about, I don't want to say bad movies, but movies that I didn't enjoy. Uh, right. I don't enjoy writing what, what people would consider negative reviews. I mean, some critics really get into the, oh, this was terrible and I'm going to rip it a new one. But I don't know, it just kind of depresses me. Um, so I'm happy to report that this this is the exact opposite of that. This is... Right now, the best movie of the year. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, it's got a heck of a cast. Help me out. Do they perform as as we want them to? Oh, fantastic job. Uh, Celian Murphy plays the lead guy, who is J. Robert Oppenheimer. Uh, For those of you unfamiliar with history, this is the man who led the Manhattan Project, pushed all the scientists together, and led uh, America's engineering and scientific might to create the atomic bomb during World War II. Um, He's played by Celian Murphy, uh, and he does an amazing job at playing this tormented scientist that gives his country the power to destroy the world. Um, But he, of course, is not the only one in it. As you've said, we've also got this huge cast that includes Matt Damon and Florence Pugh and Emily Blunt and on and on down the list goes. And they're all phenomenal. It's directed by Christopher Nolan, and we know that he often likes to play with time. Is that an element at all in this film? You know, it's it's not going to be like a science fiction movie, of course, you know, if we're talking about traveling through time or anything, but it is told uh, out of sequence. So the movie jumps around a lot through the decades. Um, it starts with J. Robert Oppenheimer in college as he's studying at Cambridge as he's picking up physics and he's haunted by visions of an expanding universe that haven't been quantified by mathematics or equations yet. He knows it's right on the cusp. He can see it in his head. Um, And it, it goes from there basically through the end of his life where he is giving testimony to government boards and people are asking him questions about his life and 
what happened during the Oppenheimer um, experience where he's making the bomb. And, you know, it basically gives you in between all of that. And of course, uh, you have Robert Downey Jr. I forgot to mention earlier is in this too as well. He plays more of a bigger role towards the, the last third of the movie. And it's, it is a long movie, three hours long, let me tell you. But when you're talking about something that deals with such big issues, everything from major science to morality, three hours probably is worthwhile. Absolutely. And, you know, there, there's really no way around the three hours. You get what you get. Um, as I was walking out of the press screening, one of the people had commented, I random person I heard off to the side said, you know, three hours, it's a long time for a movie that's mostly just about men talking in rooms. And I thought, you know, from a certain point of view, he's right. But, you know, you consider what many would think to be one of the greatest movies of all time, 12 Angry Men. That's just about men talking in a room. So I think you can obviously do a lot with that, as no one proves here. Well, you know, in a summer that has given us, and you know I'm as big a superhero film fan as anybody, but we've had Indiana Jones and The Flash and an animated Spider-Man. I don't mind having a three-hour movie about people talking in rooms, if it's a good movie. No, and, and it is so good. And it's tense, and it's well put together. Um I think in my written review, I likened it to this is basically as if Christopher Nolan had spent the last 30 years creating a sweater stitch by stitch. That's mm. how carefully every scene feels put together. Oh, OK. All right. This is one that we shouldn't wait for streaming. No, this is one you got to see in theaters because and it is crafted so well on a technical level when you talk about the sound engineering, which is deafening on one hand, but on the other hand, um, goes with the craft that goes into the movie, you know, so wonderfully. Um, you know, Michael Bay movies have explosions in them, but they're just they're just <laughs> little bits of excitement to sort of pass the time until you get to the next tiny bit of thin story he's written. <laughs> but I, I'd say the the explosions in this movie, obviously, since it's about the atomic bomb, they are art. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes whole minutes for you to appreciate what happens when they detonate that atomic bomb. Um, it's not just a boom and it's done. It's a you you get the room is shaking and you get there's multiple blast waves and there's a blinding light and, and you know they're splitting atoms and it's. It's a whole thing. Um, it's just, it's a magnificent piece of art. Mm. Uh, usually I have to ask you, hey, what else is coming out this weekend? I'm not sure. Thanks to the media blitz we've had on social media over the last several weeks, we know the other movie coming out on Barbenheimer weekend. It is? It's Barbie. Of course, this is, you know, the new Greta Gerwig movie. It spawned all the memes and coverage. And, you know, sadly... Um, when it comes to press screenings, where I was, Barbie was playing at the exact same time Oppenheimer was. So you, you made your choice and you lived with it. Um, obviously, I chose the atomic bomb, but I am looking forward to seeing Barbie as well. And the early reviews out are spectacular as well. Speaking of reviews, you can read the entire review for Oppenheimer in today's uh, Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Courtney Lanning, thank you so much. Let's do this again next week. Agreed. Let's talk about Disney's Haunted Mansion next week. Disney needs a hit. All right. Thank you.
Thank you. Psychiatrist Anna Lemke treats people with various kinds of addictions. I, you know, I deal with a lot of families where the kids are, you know, addicted to video games or social media. And the parents are like, I don't know why he just won't stop. Meanwhile, they've got a screen in every room and everybody's got 12 devices. How modern life makes us all vulnerable to addiction. This week on Hidden Brain from NPR. Hidden Brain can be heard twice this weekend, tomorrow afternoon at 3 and Sunday morning at 6 on 91.3 KUAF. Monday on Ozarks, a program for first-time mothers comes to Arkansas with the mindset of bringing a whole host of services to the homes of first-time mothers. Our nurses are really educators, they're social workers, and they're nurses. They really mix all of those services into one, and that's really why our program um, is so successful and why we really want to see it reach more Arkansas moms. We hear from Ozarks at Large's Rachel Sanchez-Smith and her continued examination of the high maternal mortality rate in Arkansas. That's on Mondays, Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Van Buren, and Lake Leatherwood. KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors today included Michael Tilley, Becca Martin-Brown, and Courtney Lanning. Additional reporting from Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich. Thanks to Daniel Carruth and Lee Wood for bringing the guacamole by the studio as well today. Our membership director at KUAF is Brett Ratliff. So much assistance today and every day provided by Jack Travis. Our theme written and performed by Daryl Sean. Meet me back here Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellums. Thanks for listening. The Momentary in Bentonville invites guests to the world premiere of Die No Die Arkansas by artist Maddie Davis. Presented nightly from August 4th through the 6th, each evening features six artists performing dynamic dances along intersecting routes throughout the Momentary grounds. Tickets on sale now at themomentary.org. Rave Cultural Foundation presents Prerna, an annual Kifa Student and Teacher Showcase and Open House, May 20th from 3 to 4.30 p.m. at Kalaloka Institute of Fine Arts. This event will show what their Kifa students have learned over the year and give guests a chance to meet the instructors. More at ra-vefculturalfoundation.org.